taking the pulse of athletics in the 21st century. We need as much data points as we possibly can get. So I hope people won't just look at it and go, eh, no. We need to hear from people. And if we don't hear from people, we won't be able to have as great a sport as we could had we heard from them. Willie Banks, Olympic champion, joins us today for a global conversation here on Around the Rings Radio. I'm your host, Ed Hula. Through the end of April, World Athletics is seeking help from fans of the sport around the world to help set an agenda for the future. Called the Global Conversation, the main input will come from a survey on the World Athletics website. Available in 12 languages, the survey takes about 30 minutes to complete, and the findings will be used to formulate a World Athletics Master Plan to 2030, a plan that is supposed to be ready for the Federation to review by the end of the year. Heading up this effort for World Athletics is Willie Banks, the triple jump Olympic great, a member of the World Athletics Council, and he joins us from San Diego, California, to tell us more about the Global Conversation. The Global Conversation is the survey for our our uh, our stakeholders, the people who really love track and field and who want to see a new vision or a vision for the future. You know, we've already surveyed our member federations, and each one of the countries has already sent in their perception of the the sport in their country, in their particular country. And now we're focused on those external st- stakeholders, like our partners, you know, our marketing partners, the uh, fans, uh, broadcast, the media. I'm halfway filling out my survey. So I was just going to say, please do, you know, please fill it out. And then, you know, you, you've got my number and everything, so you can call me anytime. Um, and, and, you know, we can go through it, but generally speaking, this is all for the sake of doing a plan that will go from well, 2022 to 2030, it's a, it's a roadmap not just for the governance of the sport, but where the sport is going. How can we uh, affect the sport so that in years to come, it'll, be, uh, it'll grow and it could be you know, the number one sport in the world. So we need to get back to the heyday, which means we may have to make some changes and we may have to innovate. But before we get there, we had to survey the people who, who are interested or that love our sport. How many responses are you expecting to get to, get to the survey? Hundreds, so, thousands? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm hoping to get hundreds of thousands. But, you know, the, the, the key here is our member federation of 214. It's going to be their responsibility to get to each one of their country, uh, their country's citizens to, to, to find out what, their opinion of the sport is and so if all of them go through the same campaign we'll get hundreds of thousands of people who will be able to give us a an idea of what our sport really is in in their country but also we can compare what it is in a in an area say oceania and then then africa and then north america and we can start to come up with some themes and the themes then will help us develop a plan, and that plan hopefully will be uh, will meet the vision that Sebco made for us, uh, you know, a year ago, and that is to make this sport in the top one, two, or three 
in the world. Now, there have been plans before for the growth of athletics. How have those plans delivered, and what is going to be something different about this, uh, this planning um, process for world athletics? So uh, many of the plans have been strategic plans, but very few plans, or I can't remember any, that actually canvassed the community and would like to see, you know, and is going to take that information and make the plan. It, rather than just administrators, it is a, it is a, um, I think this time, well, not think, I believe this time, the key has not been on making a plan that is just, you know, pie in the sky. It's more making a plan that's based on the facts as they are now and then envisioning how we can improve upon the comments that we get back from our global community. And the other key to this and what what I think what what I've been told by Seb and, and the administration is that this part we're doing now, the global conversation, the member federation, this is just to get ready for what is the real issue, and that is actually implementing and executing a well-thought-out plan for the future. Uh, I know there was a plan that was done uh, by the prior administration, and they shelved it. It just never really got off the air, but this plan will be integrated with the strategic plan, and therefore uh, it will have a better chance of being executed. And the, the, the long long view of this is to 2030 and beyond. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, athletics is a sport that's filled with tradition. It's filled with events that um, have been with the sport since it made its Olympic debut, modern Olympic debut, more than 120 years ago. Um, will there be a question that has to be asked about whether some events in athletics need to go on or whether there needs to be a different way of doing race walks, a different way of presenting another event? What kind of innovation are you looking for? And you always ask the great questions. <laughs> Um, I, I think you're right. You know, this is a traditional sport, but it's in an era of, of change. Uh, but as you know, as a triple jumper, I have faced and I have witnessed the, uh, uh you know, the sport trying, not trying, but, uh, the, the, the sport kind of marginalizing the triple jump for many, many years. I remember back in the 80s when I had to start the Save the Triple Jump campaign so I could get a competition in, in indoor meets in, in Los Angeles. I remember <laughs> having to start to clap because they weren't having the triple jump in Europe one year in, 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 80, in 81. Uh, I remember, you know, uh, Christian Taylor having to form this athletes union and athletes association in order to keep the triple jump going. Race walks faces the same situation. Uh, many hammer all of these events fa 
uh, have to face the same situation, but it doesn't mean we have to we have to change change the traditions. It means we have to find new ways to implement our sport. So, for instance, uh, yeah, maybe we're going to lose some sports. But what I've told athletes who have faced this adversity, I say it's not it's not the fault of the administrators. It's your fault if you can't make your sport interesting because it's not the job of others to make it interesting. It's your job, right? You have to set the records. You have to entertain because if you're not, it's like uh, it's like uh, Andy Norman told me in 1981. Why should I pay you if you're not putting butts in the seats? That's critical. And if you don't understand that focus, then you're wasting my time. So, so our sport is going to have to change. And those people who don't believe that it needs to change, well, they're just going to have to come along dragging and kicking, right? Yeah. But we'll find that out through, through our... Uh, through our survey, through this global conversation, because it is a conversation. We will be talking to and listening to uh, the, 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 the stakeholders and how they feel about our sport. How do you recognize the differences, legitimate differences, due to culture, tastes, um, for events around the, around the world? They may not be popular in a particular country, but in other spots they're very important. How do you how do you keep that diversity alive as well? Well, that's the greatest part of our sport, isn't it? We don't have one set of of rules for every sport. Like like uh, you know, soccer. Everybody plays by the same rules because it's a sport that that, that has to go by the same rule. We have different events within our sport. We have we have cross country we have distance running we have road running we have uh jumps uh sprint so there's many things we can do you don't need to host all of the events in one drag meet right it's like uh uh our sport can be flexible and the good thing about our sport is that we are very diverse and so Whereas a, a partner, a, a marketing partner comes in and they can pick and choose what they think they want to support. And all of that goes into making this sport even stronger and better. So we're the perfect sport for flexibility, inclusivity, diversity. And in fact, I think we're the perfect sport for for any of the isms that we have going on right now in social, uh, you know, social responsibility and whatnot. Well, certainly uh, in the case of, of women in sport, uh, World Athletics has always been an a organization that seems to have uh, made sure the, the women were involved in the, in the leadership of the sport. But what do, you, what do you say about that moving forward? Does, do women still need more influence? Um, well, more, more, hold more positions within the within the sport. It absolutely is, and the good thing about our sport is we've already made the determination that by 2025 we'll be 50 percent on the council, 
women to men. And we've already made that uh, determination that we will be we'll be supporting women in the administrative uh, uh, arena of of each member federation. So we're focusing on that. And one good thing that comes out of that is we we have a, a unique um, a female uh, a, a opinion that no other sport has like like we have. So I'm really proud of that. Um. Can you talk a little bit about what the uh, past year has been like for, for world athletics as you assess the, the fallout of the, the, the pandemic on sport, canceling a, a year of sport practically, uh, getting it up and, and going again, and how this might influence this world plan that you're putting together? Well, very good question, because I've thought about that a lot. And two things come to mind. Number one, this this conversation probably would not have the influence that it, it does now if it wasn't for a pandemic because more people are thinking, well, we need to change. <laughs> we mm-hmm. need to we need to be thinking about this sport in a different fashion. And the second thing that comes to mind is that we actually have a a sport that is so flexible and so creative that not even a pandemic can stop us like it had stopped so many other sports. And the reason is that, you know, for our sport, we are, we have the people, we don't need the, the, the a certain type of surface. We don't need a certain type of, of administration. We just need to get out and do. So with that determination, with that flexible determination, I think this sport is, is suited for any kind of challenges that, that, that come before it. Now we just have to, we just have to um, maintain a balance and keep some of the things that we've learned through the pandemic and utilize that to make our sport stronger uh, for the future. You had to postpone the indoor world championships until, till next year. You're hoping to have them this year, but that didn't work out. And also, uh, the, uh, the world championships in, uh, in Oregon have also been delayed a year. What, what does this do to the program moving forward? Uh, <coughs> I just think that the, the program moving forward is, again, it's just a delay, but it, I think it gives us an opportunity. And the opportunity is that we can build up. We can more effectively build up to those, uh, those championships and those World Athletic Series events. And we can be more creative in how we produce those events, you know, on television, on social media. And with that, uh, we show... Uh, a little bit more entrepreneurial spirit than than most sports can show. Certainly, this summer you have the the Olympics to get things rolling again, get people's eyeballs on the uh, yeah. focused on on the track. Um, we don't know about the spectator situation there in uh, in Tokyo exactly, but uh, what is uh, what what will the Tokyo Olympics uh, mean? For, for athletics 
in this in this year. That 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 is the the big event that will you hope get the um, get the ball rolling for you. Yeah. Well, Ed, you know, the Olympic Games. Only so many people can get in the stadium. Really, Olympic Games is about the billions of people that watch it on television and the billions of people that watch it online and and hear about it through the media. That's really the focus. So not having audiences in the stadium, I don't think will change the magic that will happen. In fact, I think the magic of the new innovations that we've had to create is really what's going to help transcend this pandemic and make our sport special. I mean, think about it. I know that when I'm sitting at home and I'm watching the Olympic Games, I'm, I'm enthralled by the stories and the imagery that they're able to put on the television. Whereas if I'm sitting in a stadium, I'm watching the excitement of the event, but I don't see these the the stories surrounding the event right i don't see the i don't hear the the banter as much as i could if i was sitting at home comfortably in a a, a nice uh, comfortable chair watching it while eating uh, you know my wife's great cooking but the key to this i think is going to be people are going to want to watch the olympic games more because they quite frankly can't go out drinking, can't go do anything else. They're going to have to be inside. Well, I'll pull the rug out from under you here for uh, a, a second. Sure. What would have happened in 1984 if you didn't have that crowd? If you didn't have that reaction from the crowd to your performance on the track? I think it would hurt me and it does hurt me more than any other athlete because I, that's where I put all my marbles is, is the excitement of the crowd. But <clears throat> in a couple of days, we found that we can create crowd noises and make it seem like there's more people in the crowds than there was before. Take a look at the NBA and what they've managed to do with the, uh, with the crowds. Take a look at, at the uh, NFL. Uh, the way they've been able to put the cutouts there and create crowd noises that that excite the the, the players. So I think we can do the same thing. I, I, I you know, um, as I said before, adversity is a is a great motivator, and people have learned that you know we can create a a crowd out of nothing. Um, you have a an affinity for Japan. You been there so many times you've done work over there what do you feel like for the for 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 the japanese having to go through this extraordinary effort to deliver the games um and 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 against a lot of adversity you know because it's not the unfortunately for the tokyo olympics they're not the most popular game in town if you follow the public opinion surveys yeah so when I first went to live in Japan, I noticed a lot of green crosses on things that were being built, and I noticed a lot of uh, a lot of signs that I couldn't quite make out because you know it wasn't in English. But after I learned how to speak and read some of the signs, they have signs that said "Anzen Daiichi," and that means 
safety first. And that is really a theme of the Japanese culture. They don't ever want to be out in front. What they want is to see that it works, wait until they know 100% that it works, and then they get in and they make it better and they become number one. And that is the that is really being Japanese. So when the IOC gave the Olympic Games to Tokyo, they knew that it was going to work because everybody in the world knows how well Japanese culture puts things together. And so they cre- so even in the pandemic, the Japanese culture will come through that the Japanese idea of of success at all costs, right? The community at all costs. Now, yeah, it's younger now, that's less so than in the past, but there's still that underlying pride that the Japanese people have that will make these games really, really special. And I, I, I have no doubt that even though there won't be foreign uh uh people in the stand it's going to be an incredible Olympic Games thanks to the the hard work and the sacrifices that the Japanese people quite frankly are willing to make and as far as the competition in athletics goes in Tokyo what what are you expecting what would what what do you think uh, people will be uh, drawn to and uh, who are the personalities to watch out for this summer so and you know that uh <laughs> that most sports, and, 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 and probably more than any, athletes train like crazy. They train like crazy. But what some athletes fail to understand is that rest, rest is training. You know, quite frankly, rest is part of training. And a lot of people forget that. And a lot of people were surprised to see just how well the performances have been over the last few months when they've opened it up for competition. It didn't surprise me in the least because I knew that athletes had to rest during this pandemic. And when they finally got to compete, they're competing at levels. I mean, how many has there been five world records broken thus far? Mm -hmm. And that's because their mind has rested their body has rested. They have gotten rid of the, 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 the bad influences, and they are prepared to actually perform. So I truly think these are going to be some of the best performances of all times because we will have rested athletes, not just physically, but mentally rested, and athletes who really want to compete. So not only in track and field, but in every sport, you're going to see some amazing performances because they've had the opportunity to mentally rest and rekindle that spirit of competition rather than it being a job of going out and working out and getting ready. It's going to be, I want to do this because they wouldn't let me do this. So I truly think we're going to see some fantastic performance because of it. Yeah. Um, well, we're, we started talking about the global conversation. Uh, yeah. Let's go back to it as we as we say goodbye here today. Um, how long is the survey going to be up and running? What do you want to hear from people? 
It's going to be up and running till April 30th. We'd like to hear from him as soon as possible, but for sure by April 30th, we need as much data points as we possibly can get. So I hope people won't just look at it and go, eh, no. We need to hear from people. And if we don't hear from people, we won't be able to have as great a sport as we could had we heard from them. So thanks for your support in, in getting the word out, Ed. Appreciate it. Willie Banks is the chair of the working group on World Athletics Council on uh, the, the, the master plan, the plan for the future. And he's overseeing the uh, Global Conversation Survey. Uh, triple jump Olympic gold medalist, uh, a great friend. But, you know, a world record holder, former world record holder. And uh, we always appreciate having you on Around the Rings Radio, Willie. It's always a pleasure to talk to you coming to us from San Diego today. Thanks again, and uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you, Ed. Much appreciated. All the best. Willie Banks is the chair of the working group for World Athletics and their master plan. He's been our guest talking about the Global Conversation, a survey anybody can take to express their ideas on the future of track and field. You can find it at worldathletics.org. And thank you for joining us on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm your host, Ed Hula. Stay calm, stay safe, stay healthy. Your best source of news about the Olympics is aroundtherings.com.